Good morning. Um, some of you will know me really well. My name is Mark, and others, if you're a visitor or guest today, you won't know who I am. Um, but hopefully as I talk to you today, you'll, I'll give some of myself away. And those of you who know me can reassure everybody else that I am, I'm okay. I'm okay. I want to talk to, uh, to you today about what it looks like to thrive through change. Um, I'm calling this talk Embracing Your Season, or putting it another way, Making Friends with Time. Those are all saying similar things, but in slightly different ways. Why am I talking to you about that subject today? Well, primarily because I believe it's, it's important for this reason, that our ability to respond to change, to survive it, actually to thrive in it, is a key to our physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. And so really, it's a really important subject. The way we respond to change can either be very healthy or it can be really unhealthy for us. And I'm hoping today to be able to explain what I mean by that. The other reason why I'm talking about it today is because as Phil has already mentioned and prayed into, this time of year, September, is, is really quite a, a transitional month for us. Now, I've used another word there, transition. My theory is that transition is just a politically correct way of saying change because somehow transition sounds like it might be a dance, something to be enjoyed and not endured. When we say change, we all run for cover. Ah, change. So I think when you hear somebody using transition, you're probably thinking they're just trying to make me feel better by making it sound like it's a dance and we all get to join in. But September is nevertheless a, a month of transition for us. The, um, the holidays are over. <laughs> and we're all going back to work or school or university. Gosh, you sound thrilled about that. <laughs> the days are going to get shorter and the nights are going to get longer. If I don't do this, everybody gets disappointed with me. Um, I mean, walk across the stage, that is. It's going to get colder. It's going to get wetter. And it's going to get windier. And if that wasn't bad enough, the roads are going to get busier. And then to ice that glorious cake, Parliament is going back tomorrow, so the news will just be filled with politicians trying to convince us and themselves that they know what they're doing. Um, but fear not, the shops and hotels have worked out that we need to be cheered up at this time of year. So what they start doing is advertising for Christmas. <laughs> and that is supposed to, just for the avoidance of any doubt, make you feel a lot better. Um, I should probably just stop and pray for everybody now, shouldn't I? I've made you feel so good about September, the glorious month of transition everybody okay just remember tomorrow it's a dance um, so it seemed like a really good time for me to show up and uh, talk about how to thrive through change how to embrace our season or one of the ways I like to say it how to make friends with time the, the fact is that change whether we like it or not is our constant companion 
and we have the choice to embrace change and make it our friend or see it as some, our enemy and something that we need to fight and be scared of. To live is to grow. And to grow is to change. So if you decide to resist change, you're actually resisting growth. And if you resist growth, then you're actually resisting life itself. And that's just not a good idea. Because we're called to live life and embrace it, not resist it. The key to surviving change, which is just like base camp, let's just start with survival, right? But then to move into thriving through change is to understand that change is inevitable and relentless and then get over it and get on with it. And I, I perhaps should try that a little bit more sympathetically. To get over it and then to get on with it because there's no point in fighting something that is part of life and is inevitable and relentless. That's just a bad idea. It's not a healthy way to live. The inevitability and relentless nature of change is reflected to us through creation itself. The problem for us is we're very detached from creation. We live in a 21st century Western world where we don't connect to that particularly well. But the seasons themselves reflect change waves or waves of change. So there is really a change of season and then there's a season of change. And that is programmed in to creation itself. And it's really unwise to uh, fight it. There's an old English king called Canute. He was, I think he was around in about the 10th century. And uh, if you had any kind of history of any sort, you might know him as the king who took his throne down onto the beach and sat on the beach. And one version of the story goes is that he tried to command the tide to not come in. And of course, he got very wet in the process. But actually, a more sympathetic version of his story is that Canute was not an arrogant man, but a humble man. And what he was trying to demonstrate to the people around him who were very, they were full of flattery. They were trying to big him up. And he, he took the throne down to the, to, the, to the beach and wanted to show them that even though he was king and he sat on a throne, he couldn't control the tides coming in, that actually he was human. Creation, as I said, tells us that life is seasonal. So there is summer, winter, springtime, and harvest. And then there is this concept of a great Christian song which says, it's always like springtime with you. And we all go, oh, skipping, it's always like springtime with you. It's always like springtime with you. The problem is, is it always like springtime with him? You, like me, I'm sure, have experienced seasons that don't feel and look and sound very much like springtime. So when we go skipping around in Christian circles singing, it's always like springtime, like you, what on earth are we talking about? Well, I think what we're talking about is this. 
There is in every season resurrection life flowing through my veins and yours. But to say it's always like springtime with you does not mean that my environment and the season in which I find myself is always the most favorable and the most conducive to my life. Sometimes I find myself in what I consider to be a very hostile season. So when I'm singing, it's always like springtime like you, and I'm skipping through, I'm visualizing bunnies bouncing around and daffodils blooming. And I look around my life and I think, this is not what my life looks like or feels like or sounds like. So how do I sing this song with credibility? Well, the thing to do is sing it with common sense, which is what is this springtime about? This springtime is about my internal world, not my external world. And my internal world is saturated with the resurrection life of God. But as Christians, we can fall into the trap of thinking that we can be canute sometimes. Because we've sung that song, the wind and the waves still know his name. I'm not going to sing it one day, I will, honestly. I will just cross that line and I might never get asked back. But we, we sing this song, the wind and the waves know his name, which kind of implies that somehow we can take those waves and we can send them away. Sometimes it doesn't happen like that. And I know I'm walking a very fine line. That would be another talk to talk about how faith relates to the line I'm drawing today. But I'm not going to make you feel too comfortable by going there today because I want to hold you over here that says, stuff happens. It's called change. It's reflected in seasons. And sometimes it's not healthy to fight them. What I'd like to do is just take on a little bit of a whistle-stop tour of some Bible verses and just make some very brief commentary on them. They will come up behind me if you want to look them up. Please do. But they're all verses that I've embraced over the years, and these verses have embraced me. As I've sought to learn how to live healthily through change and through seasons. The first verse is in Ecclesiastes 3. Very well-known verses, I'm sure, to you. Verses 1 to 8. The writer says this, There is a time for everything, and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. That's moving house right there. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What those verses are saying is that life is seasonal. But verse 10 of this chapter says something extraordinary that has shaped my life. He says in verse 10, the Lord makes everything beautiful in its time. Daniel 2 verses 20 to 23 says this, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his He changes times 
and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He, he changes times and seasons. You know, one of the traps that we can fall into as Christians is to give the devil too much credit for too many things. Something's changed. That devil is at work. Naughty devil. I'm going to pray against him. Bind him because he's changing things. And actually, Daniel 2 tells us, and other verses do this too, often, not always, but often, he is the author of change in our lives. Because change is linked to growth and growth is linked to life. So we need to be really wise in stewarding ourselves towards change that we don't pray against the devil when in fact we should be thanking God. <laughs> Whoa, that's a thought right there. Can you imagine if God start initiating something and we start shouting at the devil? He's thinking, hang on a minute, I'm over here. <laughs> You've got the wrong focus. I'm the author of this, not, not him. The next verses are some of my favorites. I'm pretty certain you'll never have heard them talked about before and maybe never again. But these verses ran me over 30 years ago, I think, when I was talking about the Lord, to the Lord about seasons, probably more like complaining to him about seasons, to be honest. Um, and he took me to these verses in Isaiah 28. I'll read them because they're, they're quite interesting. Listen and hear my voice. Pay attention and hear what I say. When a farmer plows for planting, does he plow continually? Does he keep on breaking up and working the soil? When he has leveled the surface, does he not sow caraway and scatter cumin? Does he not plant wheat in its place, barley in its plot and spelt in its field? His God instructs him and teaches him the right way. Caraway is not thrust with a sledge, nor is the wheel of a cart rolled over cumin. Caraway is beaten out with a rod and cumin with a stick. Grain must be ground to make bread, so one does not go on threshing it forever. The wheels of a threshing cart may be rolled over it, but one does not use horses to grind grain. All of this comes from the Lord Almighty, whose plan is wonderful, whose wisdom is magnificent. What on earth? What he said to me when I, when I read those verses was, there is a strategy, Mark. I have a strategy for every season of your life. And that's what he's basically using a farmer's toolkit to show us. There is a strategy for every season of my life and of yours, and it comes from him if we lean in, listen hard enough. Next verse is Genesis 1.31. Again, some of my favorites. God saw that all he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. That phrase, there was evening and morning, repeats through Genesis 1. So what's this verse saying? There was evening, and then there was morning. Programmed into creation itself, there are endings and there are beginnings. And your life and my life is characterized by a series of endings and a series of beginnings. Creation itself speaking to us again about the relentless nature of change. 
What I'd want to draw your attention to in this verse is the order. The order is really significant because resurrection is programmed into this verse in Genesis 1. Because it doesn't say there was morning and then there was evening and the day was over. It's an unusual order, actually, because what it says is there was evening and then there was morning and the next day. It's almost as if God marks days differently to us. We mark a day by a beginning and an end. He marks days by ending and beginning. That's resurrection right there. So in seasons of change, things end, but that precedes something that's beginning. So next time you encounter something coming to an end in your life, Remember, it is always like springtime. Resurrection life is flowing through your veins. And where there is an ending, there will also be a beginning. Which is why it's perfectly valid to mourn the end of something, but not too long, because what he wants us to do is transition, politically good, change from mourning about what's ended to getting excited about what's beginning. So every ending in your life is the beginning of a beginning, as well as the ending of an ending, if that makes any sense at all. Mark 11, 12 and 14, a very famous story. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. And then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. If you carry on reading this story, one of the main points that you could derive from this story is the power of words because Jesus, in effect, cursed this fig tree and later on the disciples go, Jesus, look, the fig tree you cursed is dead. So some teachers and preachers will take you to this passage and say, the power of your words, blessing and cursing. Some more strategic prophetic people will say to you, the fig tree is symbolic of the Jews. And so it speaks of a much more strategic view of what was going on. I just want to point your attention to this thought, that Jesus went to a fig tree out of season and expected it to be fruitful. What is he saying to you and me in that moment? I think what he's saying is, it's possible for you and me to be fruitful in every season of our lives. Oh, I love it when people agree with me. It's so good. It's not that I'm insecure. I just think talking's a conversation, not a monologue. I'm not that interesting. So, and also, by the way, in 2 Corinthians 1.20, the yes is in Christ, but the amen is spoken through us. All the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus and the amen comes from us. So that's why speaking is important. Anyways, I'm digressing. It's possible for you and I to be fruitful in every season of our lives. 1 Chronicles 12.32 talks about these men from Issachar. It says they understood the times or seasons with knowledge of what Israel should do. Life is seasonal and it's wisdom, prophetic wisdom, to know what season we're in and what we need to do in that season. That's the prophetic spirit right there. 
Matthew 5, 44 to 45 says this, Jesus speaking. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Another trap that Christians, as Christians, we can fall into is think that somehow we're immune from seasonality and that somehow we're immune from the climate in which we all live. These verses tell me that the Lord will shine the sun on the righteous and the unrighteous and he causes it to rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. I think it's really important that we understand that as Christians, we live in the real world where the sun shines and the rain falls. Good things happen, bad things happen. Interest rates, economics, social, whatever you want to talk about. We are not, as Christians, immune from any of that. Now, some of you will be like squirming because of this faith. Hang on a minute. Where's he going with this? I'm just trying to, I'm going to be real with you. Faith is not denial. Abraham considered his body as good as dead. He looked at it and said, that's dead. But he was unwavering in his trust of the Lord and his promise. So faith isn't denial. Faith is actually facing the fact that it, what's the reality? The reality is it's raining and I'm soaking wet. Just put it in the natural for a second. You know, it's raining, but I'm a Christian. I'm just going to go out and somehow, magically, I'm not going to get wet. Uh, uh, that's just dumb, right? It's just stupid. It's not faith. It's dumb. In the spiritual, we can think somehow we're immune from these things. No, we're not. We're not immune. And it's unhealthy to think that we are. We can bump into the sun. We can bump into the rain. It can suddenly become winter for us. And no matter how hard we sing and skip, it's always like springtime. Actually, for me right now, it's winter. I shouldn't think like that. I'm a Christian. No, please do think like that. You're human. You can't deal with what you deny. That's a whole other subject, isn't it? Right. Um, I believe... All of us as individuals, families, businesses, schools, colleges, universities, church communities, nations, all experience seasons of change and changes of season. All of us at various levels. There are two kind of ways in which I'd like to think about season change. There are probably more. One is season change driven by age and stage and season change characterized by climate change. And I'm just going to talk to you a little bit about those. And as a, a picture paints a thousand words, I'm going to use some pictures to do that. So my friends with the technology at the back are going to, any minute now, do the great reveal. Oh, there we go. So this is me, minus my front teeth, sporting my very, very trendy, I'll let me let you know, Flower power shirt and matching tie. Somebody said there's not much changed. I was thinking, I think that's a compliment. I don't know. Um, that's the youngest photograph I've got of me. So just walk with me through my life. Boy. Boy meets girl. Boy and girl get married. Oh, you're so much more warm than, yeah. Um, 
Boy and girl produce three girls. Three girls get married. And then the inevitable happens. Two grandchildren appear a few weeks from now or we'll have a third. Welcome to my life in five clicks. And I'm not joking, I'm going to sound like an old geezer now when I say this, but that is how fast my life actually went. Which is why people who are older than you always say to you, whatever you do, don't wish your life away, live in the moment. Because those of us who are older realize it goes like that, click, 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 and you're a grandfather. How did that happen? I have no idea, right? Well, I do biologically, but you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> stop that, stop that. Let me just say some things to you about every single one of those stages. These are, tr these are statements of truth that apply to me, but apply to you too. In every single one of those seasons of my life, there were limits that I just had to accept on me. In every single one of those stages of my life, there were freedoms that I could enjoy. In every single one of those stages, I had something to sow, and in every single one of those seasons, I had something to reap. In every single one of those seasons, I had something to be grateful for. And the one I really like, in every single one of those seasons, there was something I could complain about. Sorry, I'm not supposed to like it, but sometimes I just do and Sarah sorts me out. In every single one of those seasons, there was ugly. And every single one of those seasons there was beauty. Seasons are also characterized by climate change. So the next shot is somewhat more um, attractive, I suppose. Oh, I don't know whether that's true or not. But anyway, this is Sarah's favorite tree. Sarah's my wife, by the way. It's a tree on the farm where we live. And that photograph, each photograph is taken in a different season. And it was just a, a picture, a metaphor, really, of seasons and changes of season are accompanied by climate change. Sometimes in life, you feel like you're just, you've, you, you, everything you do is hard work. It's difficult. I feel like I'm living right into a headwind where everything is coming against me the other way. It's tough. It's tough. Sometimes you've got a tailwind and you think, I am invincible. I can fly without wings. I'm not going to sing that either. And everything you do is really easy. And you, everything you touch turns to gold. And you're all saying, I wish I was there. And I wish I could stay there. Because that's like the bit I love the most. Climate change can look like floods. Can look like droughts. Can look like heat. Can look like cold. It can be sunny. It can be raining. There can be real calm. And then as the disciples found out on the boat, there can be like massive storms break out at which point you can blame Jesus because he told you that's what you're supposed to be, right? That's what they did, didn't they? Jesus, oh, we're going to die. But climate change, climate conditions are accompanying the season change and shifts in our life. So what do we do with all this? What do we do with that age and stage thing? What do we do with that climate change thing? What do we do with all those things I've said are true? Well, let me give you some simple don'ts and some simple do's to help you, to equip you to lead yourself and those you love through season change. First one is this, don't live in denial. Please don't equate faith with denial. Own up to what season you think you're in. Be real. 
You can't deal with what you deny. You can apply faith to what you will accept. So don't live in denial about what season you're in. Don't live in conflict with it. So you, you decide you're in this season, but I'm going to fight this thing with all I'm worth. I'm, I'm Canute. In the name of Jesus, I am Canute. I'm going to stop this thing from happening. Don't live in conflict with it. It's emotionally, spiritually, physically, mentally unhealthy to fight what you should accept. This is next one's a biggie. Don't live on hold. You know, one of the biggest mistakes that we will make potentially in our lives and lies that we will believe is that we'll wait for a better season before we show up. Because I'm waiting for that perfect season when there's nothing to complain about. There's no ugly. There's only resources. There's no constraints. Let me tell you, you'll be dead before you reach that season. Every season has those attributes so please don't wait for the perfect one to work out who you are and whose you are and show up in it. Don't confuse the chapter with the whole story. What I mean by that is when you're in a season that you don't like, remind yourself that the season does not define you, the story does. You're defined by your story, not your season. So it can be not good, but it doesn't have to define you. It just is a season. And it came to pass. It says that somewhere. <clears throat> You're defined by your story, and if it's not good, it's not the end. So what should you do? Here's some things I think it really helpful to do. Receive the gift of limits. Whatever your season is right now, I guarantee that there will be some constraints on you. Be okay with that. Receive them as a gift. Don't fight them as something the devil's trying to do to you. Receive them as a gift. Let me say this. Dying to your, you know, yourself, denying yourself, taking up your cross does not mean being unkind to yourself and neglecting yourself or killing yourself in the name of Jesus. To be able to love God and love the one in front of us well, we need to have taken care of ourselves. Otherwise, we're just cabbages. We've got nothing to give away. We're broken. Because why? We've not looked after ourselves properly. To live well and to love well and to lead well is to look after yourself well. Denying yourself and taking up your cross is realigning your priorities for sure. But that realignment does not mean being unkind to yourself and neglecting yourself and your needs and what you need to be healthy. Because if you are going to give yourself away, give away the best version of yourself you can possibly be. Here am I. I'm a bag of spanners, but just, you know, I'm, hope, I'm just broken, but do with me what you can. No, I don't, I don't know where that comes from. Here's the best version of myself, Lord. You can have that because I've looked after myself well. When you meet the person in front of you and you want to look after them well, 
you can say, look, you're going to get the best version of me because I've paid attention to myself. I've understood that to damn myself is not to be unkind to myself. So receive the gift of limits and look after yourself. Second one is be thankful for what you have and what you do have. Sarah did a brilliant talk, Sarah Smith, a few weeks ago on, on complaining, encouraging us not to complain because the Bible encourages us not to complain. The opposite of not complaining is to be thankful. It's very hard to be thankful and complain at the same time. Although some, you can find it sneaking into prayers sometimes. Thank you, and then I'm now going to complain about everything. But one of the tricks to living healthily through change is to be grateful for what you have and what you can do, not what you don't have. Complaining about what you don't have and what you can't do. Listen to Sarah's talk about that. There's a brilliant line in The Bridge of Spies. I don't know if you've seen it, but... Um, Tom Hanks is the lawyer and he's trying to get this guy, you know, save this guy's bacon in court. And Tom Hanks says to this guy, he says, you don't appear to be worried. And this guy looks at him and said, would it help? <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, in our season we can be in, complaining and anxiety are two things that we can be really good at. But ask yourselves the question, is it helping? Answer no. So challenging ourselves to be grateful and to be thankful for what we have in every season is really, really important. Number three, use the resources you've got. You will have in every season resources. And one of the ways to thrive in change is not only to be grateful for what you've got, but to put it to good use. And it's not about amount. It's not, the widow's might teaches us anything. It teaches us it's not about how much you can give. It's the quality of what you give and the heart from which that giving comes the reality is that if you don't reap, so you can't reap. It's a universal principle. So whatever season you're in, if you decide, well, I can't do anything, you just made the situation 10 times worse because now you're not sowing into a season that you can reap from. So it's just going to be even less fruitful. But Jesus said you can be fruitful in every season. The key to that is to sow in every season whatever it is you have to sow and then finally, I said make friends with time at the beginning. One of the key things that any one of us can do in whatever season we find ourselves in is not only to make friends with time, but to make friends full stop. Friendship, friends, make us more resilient to change. Friends help us to navigate change. I'm going through an, a, a massive season shift in my life right now. And my awareness was when this chapter opened up, right, where are my friends? Because I'm going to need them. I'm going to need them in my life to help me be resilient, to ride the wave of change that's coming my way and to support me and hold me forward into everything that lies ahead of me. So there was an ending and there's a beginning and at the beginning of the beginning, I know I need to make friends with time, but I also need to make friends full stop. So it's really important that in the process of embracing the season, we embrace friendship with God and with others too. So to close, I've said a lot. I only really want you to hear what he wants you to hear. Not everything I've said but what's really relevant to you. My question would be, do you know what season you're in? Are you embracing that season?
accepting the gift of limits or are you in denial? Are you fighting it? Are you grateful for the opportunities and the resources you do have? Or are you more likely to be complaining about what you don't have and what you can't do? Embracing the season ultimately is about making friends with time and enjoying every season of your life because trust me, in five clicks, that's 50 years, well, two, rounded down, 52. <clears throat> it goes like that. So it's about making the most of every season you find. And I'm looking at a, a community that will, we as a community are entering into a season and then us as individuals are all finding ourselves in our own personal season. And I hope and pray that I've said something useful today to equip you to thrive, not just survive that wave of change, to embrace the season and to, to make friends with time. Before I hand over to Phil, I'd just like to pray.